This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow superhero, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Monica. Beat up any bad guys lately? Three on the way here. All right. That's what it's all about, Monica. I'm glad you you got in your uh, your morning workout before deciding to podcast with me. Yeah, I just put away my purple wig, so I'm all good. <laughs> oh, this is episode number 62 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie Kick-Ass 2. If you're new to the show, basically this is the program on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies, and each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part, which you're listening to right now, is a 10-minute long spoiler-free review of the film. That way you can get an idea of whether or not it's worth your time to check out. The second part is a much more in-depth analytical discussion that does contain spoilers, so if you've already seen the movie and you would appreciate that type of conversation about what works and what doesn't, definitely listen to part two. This week we're going to be talking about Kick-Ass 2, and we will be bringing on Simon Abrams from RogerEbert.com in part two uh, to discuss that with us. I'm really looking forward to that. Warning, for any people listening to this in the car with your children, there will be profanity in this episode of Cinema Fix, mainly because we can't help it when talking about this film. He calls himself the melon farmer. (laughs) (laughs) Monica, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners a little information about this movie? Sure thing. Uh, Kick-Ass 2 was directed by Jeff Wadlow. This is the sequel to the 2010 film Kick-Ass, and is based on the comic book of the same name by Mark Miller and John Romita Jr. This one picks up two years after the events of the first film. Dave Lazuski, a.k.a. Kick-Ass, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, is a senior in high school and longs to return to a life of crime fighting, while Mindy McCready, a.k.a. Hit Girl, played by Chloe Grace Moritz, decides to live a normal life and fit in with the popular girls. Kick-Ass joins a team of fellow vigilantes called Justice Force, led by Colonel Stars and Stripes, played by Jim Carrey. Together, they have to take down a team of supervillains headed by Kick-Ass's former foe, Red Miss, who now calls himself the Motherfucker. Here's a clip. I want to team up, like Batman and Robin. Nobody wants to be Robin. What's wrong with Robin? Would you like Big Daddy's Robin? Okay, Robin wishes he was me. What I'm trying to say is we should be partners. You and me like the dynamic duo. I'm in the NFL, Dave. You play peewee. So, train me. I want to walk the walk. You're the closest thing I know to a real superhero. Aren't you tired of being on your own? Don't you want to know someone's there for you? Someone who's got your back? And you'll do anything I say. Anything. Hit me. You're a 15-year-old girl. What the hell? Act like a bitch, get slapped like a bitch. This is part one of our episode on Kick-Ass 2, so we're just going to take ten minutes to give some general thoughts on the movie. I'm starting the clock now. Okay, Monica, 
first of all, what did you think of the first Kick-Ass, and how do you think this one compares? I liked the first Kick-Ass. It brought up some interesting points. I don't feel like it went deep enough into the whole sort of psychosis you need to do in order to kind of just feel okay in a wetsuit to beat up bad guys. But I found Kick-Ass 2 to be not as fun as the first one and probably a quarter as coherent. There were moments where I had fun and there were other moments where I was reminded that, you know, this is, uh, this is kind of out there or it's just, it doesn't make sense. Tonally, it's really uneven. It flips from bullying is bad to let's take revenge. It was really choppy. I don't think it melded really well together at all. Yeah, this is a really bad movie, and I, I'm kind of disappointed because I, I actually really like the first Kick-Ass movie, Monica, and I will defend that movie against people that say it's it's morally reprehensible, that say it's fascist. I mean, all superhero movies are essentially fascist. <laughs> to, to, to a certain extent, to a certain extent. The entire, probably, Western genre is technically fascist. Yeah, I, I think if you go into Kick-Ass looking for a really well-thought-out deconstruction of the superhero genre, you'll be very disappointed, because mm-hmm. it doesn't really stick the landing that well. And in many ways, it's a pretty standard, typical superhero movie. What I like about Kick-Ass, though, is that there's some genuine heart to it, and Matthew Vaughn just executes everything in that movie so well. Mm-hmm. And it, in contrast, everything in Kick-Ass 2 feels horribly mishandled. The budget of this movie was $28 million, which is only $2 million less than the budget of the first film, but it looks like a cheap direct-to-DVD sequel, in my opinion. It just looks ugly. The cinematography is just really not elaborate or flashy. Uh, Say say what you will about the first Kick-Ass movie. That movie looked pretty good. For a $30 million budget. Yeah. I, I think it looked a lot more expensive than it actually was. Also, it had Nick Cage. I'm sorry. We we only have pictures of Nick Cage in Kick-Ass 2, and it's like, oh, you know what this movie could have used? More Nick Cage. But unfortunately, you can't really do much with that from the first Kick-Ass. Right. They don't have Nick Cage in this movie, but they do have Jim Carrey. Not enough, though. I think he probably comes out of this the best of all the actors. He, I thought, gave a really interesting, entertaining performance, and he, I think he really commits to the role. His character is just really underwritten, and they don't do anything interesting yeah. with him. And I feel the same way a little bit about John Leguizamo. Like, they have these great side actors just, like, standing off, like, towards the bench that's like pick me pick me and then they don't really use them that much and then once they do that's it and they never are really mentioned or heard from again so it's it's like oh you have these great talent and you're not going to use it yeah there's some really interesting supporting characters in this movie but none of them are developed i mean there are two teams of people in this film there's a superhero team and there's a supervillain team and these characters just exist to be on the team nothing else there's really no life to them at all. So from a character level, it's a, it's a total failure. And just in terms of the plot, you're, you're right. It is very incoherent at times. Characters' motivations are constantly changing. First it's, I don't want to be a superhero. Then it's, I do want to be a superhero. Then it's, well, I want to be a superhero for this reason. No, I think I want to be a superhero for this reason. And it, it's just all a giant mess, and this movie can't figure out what it wants to say. Which is a shame, because I, I actually think there are a few interesting 
ideas in Kick-Ass 2 that we'll, we'll talk about more when we talk spoilers. I think mm-hmm. it was going for a really interesting, I guess you could call it an allegory for activism in, in certain ways. Um, and it mm-hmm. was getting a little bit political at times, but they, yeah. they don't do anything with it. Well, they kind of had the same thing in Kick-Ass, but then it was the whole questioning of, is this really a life or a livelihood that um, Kick-Ass can pursue? Right. But what was interesting to me about Kick-Ass, and we'll probably talk about this more with Simon Abrams in part two, was that, was that Kick-Ass, to me, that film, I recently rewatched it, and to me, that captures this, the, this moral spirit of the superhero ideal more than something like Man of Steel. Kick-Ass is all about, I see injustice and I want to help people. I want to stop the injustice. Yeah. And it's actually this really pure, kind of nice, idealistic notion that for some reason we don't really see a lot in modern superhero movies. (laughs) Even though it seems like such a basic element of the genre. And that really isn't present here in in the second film. And this movie just has no heart. A lot of the violence feels completely gratuitous. It doesn't feel like director Jeff Wadlow's trying to do anything interesting with it or, or say anything unique with it. It's just there. I feel like the criticisms that people leveled against the first one that I will defend the first film from, mm-hmm. I will totally level those same criticisms against this sequel. <laughs> You'll throw that one under the bus. Yes. Take those. <laughs> take your critiques of, of the first movie, apply them to this film, because this is where it's actually appropriate. Fair. I won't disagree with you there. What did you think of Chloe Moretz, out of curiosity? Because she was the subject of a lot of controversy when the first film came out. Because she, I think she was 13 at the time, and it, this movie yeah. had her, you know, killing people and cursing. And, and saying bad words, because 13-year-olds don't do that already. And this one, if she feels a lot less effective, almost up until the end, is when, like, oh, she gets back into the badassery of being a superhero but there's also that uh, weird scene that she's trying to fit in and trying to live a normal life and somehow that means going through a mean girls like initiation sort of deal um i thought that was weird yeah there's it's a really awful subplot where she's trying to fit in and and be quote-unquote normal and just just to give you an idea of how misguided this film's moral compass is compared to the first Mm -hmm. film there's this subplot involving some really mean high school girls, and the ultimate conclusion that Hit Girl makes after the subplot is that these high school girls are just as bad as the criminals and the thieves and the rapists and the murderers that she fights yeah. as Hit Girl. And she directly says that at one point, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not go overboard here. Again, bullying is really bad, but then... That whole revenge aspect is totally justified. So yeah. I don't, it really calls into question that's like those two wrongs don't make a right, huh? Yeah, its philosophy and its worldview is just all over the place. And whereas in the first film, I think an argument could be made that Matthew Vaughn really was at times trying to deconstruct attitudes towards violence. And, and I think he was very conscious about how he was presenting violence in the first movie. With the second film, it just seems like the the only idea behind it is, oh, well, that's fun, or that's cool, so show that. Let's be shocking. Let's be yeah. as, as shocking as possible. That's what people want. You know, I haven't read the source material, so maybe that's what the source material is all about, but at least as a sequel to the first film, I think it's missing a lot of the heart that makes the first film work. 
We'll find out more about that source material when we ask Simon. <laughs> yes, yes. Do you have anything else you want to say about Kick-Ass 2? Nah, let's dig into spoilers. Okay, well, that'll wrap it up for part one of our episode on Kick-Ass 2 here on Cinema Fix. Monica, it sounds like neither you nor I would recommend that people go check this out. Yeah, if any, if you're a fan of the series, go ahead. But otherwise, I don't think it's anything special for audiences to go see. I'd say even if you're a fan, just rewatch the first movie. Oof. Because I, I actually think the first movie is really, really good. That'll do it for this episode. Don't forget to tune into part two of our conversation for a much more in-depth look at Kick-Ass 2 with film critic Simon Abrams. And don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing either your next or the world's end. We haven't decided yet, but both of those, I, I've got my fingers crossed that they'll be good. We would love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the program. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place, Navigating the Newsroom, Avenging Angels, and The Nerdy Projectors. Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at mcastimovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I movies. They can also find my work reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at bofca.com. You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com, moviemezzanine.com, and patheos.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!